Thank you, Bruce. Each one who's had a part in the music this morning, it's always, and I mean this, always a blessing to come and sing together the wonderful songs of the faith and listen to the songs that have been placed on the hearts of those who minister that way to us this morning. But you know, we really have to think about what we sing. And we really have to think about what our singers are singing. Meditate and consider the truths that are being taught therein. We sang, Great is Thy Faithfulness, where we read or we heard and sung, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Hmm. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. His words will, will not fail you, he promised. Believe, and all will be well. Hallelujah! I have found him, whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longings. Do we mean that this morning? I think we do. But isn't it worth thinking about? Isn't it worth meditating on the songs that we sing, the words that we hear? What do they do? They nourish our soul. They fill our greatest need. Our greatest need. Jesus meets us and gives to us our greatest need. And so I'm going to challenge you this morning to think about what your greatest need is. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to eat. I mean, I'm looking forward to some pork tenderloin later today, and then I'm on vacation this week, so I think we're going to celebrate because we're doing a staycation, so we're going to spend a little bit more money on food at home, and I think we're going to grill at the beginning of the week and grill at the end of the week, and I've got a weakness. Well, I've got a few weaknesses. Beef, dairy, I don't know, I just love cows. It's something about cows. Hamburgers, steaks, cheese, milk, bring it on. My heart's in good shape, I'm sure. Well, you know why my heart's in good shape? Because I have a greater need. And Jesus takes care of that need. And so the challenge this morning is to think about your greatest need. And where is that need met? In the word of God. And so the challenge this morning is for us to go to that field as we look at the book of Ruth and glean, glean from his word. He will give to us all that we need. Let's go ahead and start by going there to Ruth chapter 2, and we'll read that together, and then we're going to look at several other verses, and we'll come back to that. Ruth chapter 2, verse number 1. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hap was to light on part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. 
Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field. Neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go you after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldst take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knowest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord, God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaidens. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them, and rebuke her not. So she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Heavenly Father, we come to you with grateful hearts this morning. Grateful for all that you have done and are doing and will do in our lives. And Father, I pray that you would engrave into our hearts this morning a truth that we all know, and that is that our greatest need is you. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be hungry to desire to come to the field of your word and to glean that our lives might be changed, that our souls may be nourished. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that I really enjoy when I'm given the opportunity to preach is that God works in my life. And to be honest, I don't know if anyone here needs the message I'm going to bring this morning, but I did. And so my heart's desire is always this, God, speak to me. 
Give me what I need to hear that I then can share with you the burden he has placed on my heart. Because the odds are if I need it, you probably need it too. And so here we are together this morning. No accident, right? God knew every one of us were going to be here this morning. And I'm going to have to encourage you because I'm astounded. You're going to have to, if you were not here this morning, get the podcast of Bruce's message. Brother Bruce Vanderwerf shared with us this morning because I could not have sent him my sermon notes and said, Bruce, I really would like for you to cater your Sunday school lesson to what I'm going to preach on because I really think it needs to be the theme of the day and it's just... It's a heavy burden on my heart. It turns out the burden on my heart today was the exact same burden on his heart. And these two messages come together absolutely amazingly. But you know, that's what God does. God orchestrates and brings things together. And today, he did something extra special from where I'm sitting. So let me encourage you to get that this morning if you weren't here. And uh, make sure you give that a listen. But one of the things I appreciate is not only does he encourage me in his word, but he challenges me to remember from my past. Looking back is beneficial for me. And the reason that is is because I'm reminded of how God was working in my life. I'm reminded how much God wanted to bring me to him and everything that he did, how he orchestrated things, even though I was far from him, he was always there, ready for me to come to him. So looking back is beneficial. It reminds me that he's my greatest need. He was back then, even though I didn't know him, wish I had. Do I have any regrets in my life? Yeah, I wish I would have met the Lord a lot sooner. He's my greatest need now, and he will be for all eternity. And you know what? You're not going to believe this. Well, maybe you will. He's your greatest need too. And if you're not a part of the family of God this morning, I pray that today would be the day that you would come to him. As I meditated on Ruth gleaning in the field, it brought back some memories from my childhood. Um... You know, why did Ruth go to the field? To glean. She was hungry. They needed food. And there were a few times in my life as a boy when I had the opportunity to experience a meal or a special treat as a result of doing some gleaning of my own. So what does it mean to glean? Well, it's illustrated beautifully in in what Ruth does here, but a simple working definition of gleaning would be to carefully seek out and to gather. Now, quite often when we read about gleaning in scriptures, They're coming in after the reapers have gone through the field and gleaning what was left behind. And so some of the things that I remembered, well, wasn't quite the case. But anyway, I did some gleaning on my own and I was rewarded for it. I remember going mushroom hunting as a a young boy. Anybody ever gone mushroom hunting? I don't know what it is. When I was a young boy, I went mushroom hunting in Michigan. And my memory is this. We found them by the bags full. Now I can't find a mushroom. Now, I don't try as hard as I used to. I guess I'm not really going out and gleaning in the fields for mushrooms like I used to. But I just, I have this memory. And then we'd go home and we'd clean those things up and we'd cook them. And then we'd make them real healthy. Dip them in butter and flour and fry them up. Mm -hmm. 
that's good for your heart right there, right? No. But anyway, it tastes good. And I like, I like some mushrooms. So I remember doing that. Been a while, but I remember finding lots and lots of them when I was a kid. Uh, something else I remember as a young boy is waking up and realizing, oh, there's nothing in the house for breakfast. But fortunately, we were out in the country, and real close to the house, we'd either have mulberries or some wild blackberries that would be growing in the summertime, and we'd go out, and we'd bring those in, and we'd clean them up and have some milk on top of those, and that was our breakfast, going out and gleaning for something for breakfast. I would even go out in uh, the field behind our house and glean for field corn and we would eat field corn. Now, actually, field corn isn't too bad if you get it at the right time, but at any rate, as I'm thinking about Ruth going out into the fields because she's hungry looking for something to eat, it reminded me. It reminded me of those times from my childhood, and again, I love to look back, and, and, and it causes me to remember. It causes me to remember where I was. I have some very unpleasant memories, and those unpleasant memories are because I wasn't living for the Lord. And so I look back with a grateful heart and say, thank you, Lord, for providing my needs, but thank you, Lord, for providing my greatest need, you. And he did. You know, I don't think any of us here today need to go out and find a field to glean in so we can have a meal. But we all have a need that goes far beyond our bellies. We need spiritual nourishment. We need to take in the word of God. God, through Ruth, is going to help us to see what is needed to be a good gleaner. We can take what we learn from Ruth, gleaning in the field for physical nourishment, and apply it to the time we spend gleaning in the field of God's Word. In this very special book, we find all that we need to be satisfied. And when we're satisfied in our spirit, our lives will be different. It changes your life. I hope you see that today as we continue to go through the lesson. Let's, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And let's talk about our old man and our new man. What do you mean my soul needs to be nourished? What are you talking about, this, this concept of of the inner man, not the soul being nourished. I, I mean, I get it. I, I got to eat food, right? That's how I grow. Well, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And verse number 17. We're looking at the idea of being spiritually satisfied and our lives being changed as a result of that. Ephesians 4.17, we read, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all on cleanness with greediness. 
but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So here we learn about the concept of having this, this inner man, what's being referred to as the old man and the new man. And we have a description of what is going on inside of the individual who was chosen to ignore Jesus. The inner person here, in this case, being referred to as the old man. Did you notice? Their minds are filled with empty thoughts. Their understanding is darkened. And their hearts are filled with blindness. That word blindness there is a very strong word. And the idea behind it is this. They don't want to see. They don't want to see. They're unwilling to see. They have been corrupted by deceitful lust. And they don't want to change. You ever like that? I think we've all been guilty of that. Well, I don't want to change. I'm content. Things are fine. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But here, this state is the person of the old man, the inner man inside those who have not given their lives to Christ who are ignoring the things of God. This is not the case for the one who, rather than ignoring Jesus, receives him. We learn in this passage that he's the one we listen to. He's the one teaching us. Rather than being deceived, we are being guided by truth. And we read here that truth is in Jesus. And as a result, the spirit of our mind, our inner man, is renewed. And the old man has become the new man. Our minds are filled with godly thoughts. Our understanding has been lit up. Our hearts now desire to see. I have a favorite hymn. And in that hymn, I have a favorite verse. And I think there's a few other people who love this verse. And I know that when a song leader fails to sing this verse, he, he will get lynched. We'll meet him outside afterwards and we beat him up. So the song is, And Can It Be? And I think it's verse number four, which goes like this. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin, and nature's night, the old man. Thine eye diffused, Jesus, a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. No wonder. Let that sink in. Meditate on those words because prior to knowing Christ, the old man was in that state. Our hearts were darkened. We could not see. But man, when Jesus comes into your life, it lights you up. You can see. Your heart is lit up so that you know the way you ought to go. And what a glorious, what a glorious day that is. Is that a glorious day to you, that day you gave God your life through Jesus Christ. Is that a glorious day to you? This is a pretty good example or description of what happened. You were set free. You were set free. What a day. 
As a result of the spiritual transformation that took place, God has created us in us. Our life has changed, or at least it can be. You know, there are some people out there, yeah, I gave Jesus my life. Oh, you did? Yeah, he saved me. Okay. Do you know he, he wasn't done? He's not done. The new man will put off and lay aside things that should no longer be. Things are different now, which reminds me of another song we sing. Things are different now. Something happened to me when I gave my heart to Jesus. Things are different now. I was changed. It must be. When I gave my heart to him, things I loved before have passed away. Things I love far more have come to stay. Not T-bone steaks either. Things are different now. Something happened that day when I gave my heart to him. Satisfied by Jesus. When you have truly given your heart to him, something does happen. Through Jesus, God has become your heavenly, your father. And you know what a father does? He cares for his children. He gives them all they need to grow. You know, I look around this church. I've been here for a little while. And there's some little ones, or at least I remember when they were little, and they're adults now. And I look around and I see some little ones, and I'm seeing those little ones. Those little ones are growing. They just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What's going on? What happened? Why are you growing? Why did you grow? Because something very vital was happening at home and other places. You were eating. You were eating. And you're still eating, I bet. You eat the food that your earthly father and mother have worked hard to provide for you. And you grow physically as a result of that. It's the same with our inner man. Who we are on the inside. That's what really makes us who we are. Who we are on the inside. This, this inner man. And this inner man can grow and be changed. Just like your physical being. So can the inner man. And then it's fed by, why you by what you take into your body. Through your eyes, through your ears, through your thoughts. That earthly father is careful to be sure his children are provided for. They have the food they need. Our heavenly father is no different. He wants you to eat. Spiritually. He wants your soul to be nourished. To grow our Heavenly Father desires to feed our inner man, to change us from the inside out to the people in the church who thought they had it all. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. We're going to talk just a little bit more about that church in a moment. But this is a Laodicean church and their need, their greatest need was not being met, but they thought they were okay. No, they lack spiritual nourishment. Our greatest need is to spend time with Jesus, open our heart that he might come in. This invitation is to the believer. It's, this letter is written to a church. 
to a congregation of believers. We need to invite Jesus in and let him change us from the inside. Jesus meets our needs in various ways, and they're all important. But the single most important way we can spend time with him is in his word. Everything we need is there. All the other ways, all these other various ways that we could talk about, they come from, they grow out from the field of his word. Job 23, 12 said, Job said this, Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the word of his mouth more than my necessary food. Esteemed means to treasure, to value very highly. Ezekiel 2.8, But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. Psalm 119.103, How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119.11, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 19.10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Isaiah 55.1 and 2, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come. Come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight in fatness. Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. Are you getting it? Are you hearing it? This change that's taking place on the inside, our inner man being satisfied, being filled by God. 1 Peter 2, 2 through 3. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Did you come today desiring God's word? Do you desire it when you rise in the morning and throughout your day? Jesus in his, in his humanity fasted for 40 days and the Bible tells us he was hungry. It was during this time that the tempter, Satan, came to Jesus and said, hey, you're hungry. You know what? You can do something about it. Right? Go ahead. Turn these rocks to bread. If I've been without food for a while, I think if I could do that, I might do that. But uh, Jesus teaches us a very important lesson. He resists Satan, the tempter, and he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, where he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He's quoting from Deuteronomy 8. In Deuteronomy 8, Moses is teaching the people that the manna they were fed with was about more than physical nourishment. God took them into the wilderness. This was a place where they were not able to produce their own food. And at his command, six days a week, the manna appeared. But you know, without his word, the manna would not have come. And they would have died 
But, let me turn back there and read verse number 3 of Deuteronomy 8. There's a greater point. Deuteronomy 8, 3 says, And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. We have his word. God has the same lesson for you and I today. Physical nourishment is necessary. We can't deny that. But our greatest need is spiritual nourishment. You know, King Josiah illustrates this for us. Not too long ago, we learned about King Josiah. And we see the impact of God's word in his life and how his inner man was renewed. You remember Hilkiah the high priest came to Shapin, the scribe, because he had found something in the temple. You know what he found? You remember what he found? Are the little ones listening? What did Shapin find? The word of God. He found a, a book, the book of the law. And what did he do with it? Well, Hilkiah found it and brought it to Shapin. Shapin, he read it. <coughs> he read it, and then he took it to the king, King Josiah, and he read it to him. How did the king respond? He rent his clothes. Why? Because he understood. He understood the condition of the hearts of the people. They had turned from God. The nation had been destroyed. <coughs> Josiah wanted to do what was right. So he sent men to the prophetess Huldah to inquire of the Lord. And what was the message that came back from the Lord? He said, wrath will come because the people have forsaken me. Their hearts were far from him. You see, the nation still had an issue. The people still didn't want to see. They were still in spiritual darkness. Their hearts were filled with blindness. But there is good news for Josiah. You see, the Lord said that his heart was tender. His heart was tender, and as a result, God would delay the coming wrath. God's word changed Josiah. His inner man was renewed. In 2 Kings 23, 25, we read, And like unto him was there no king before him that turned to the Lord with all his heart, and with all his soul, and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, neither after him arose there any like him. King Josiah experienced the joy <coughs> that comes from spending time with the Lord and his word. His greatest need was satisfied. The greatest need we have is to be spiritually nourished from the words of God. Many of you are on the mailing list, I think, and I had asked Pastor to share with you a, a booklet, very short, five-page booklet. <coughs> it wouldn't take you very long to read it all, excuse me, where we learned something about George Mueller that I think is a help to us. You see, when we think about George Mueller, we think about a man of prayer, rightfully so, a man who makes prayer priority. 
And indeed, that, that would be true, but there's a little bit more to understand the story. You see, his practice used to be just that. He would arrive, arise in the morning, get dressed, get ready, and go right to prayer. But then he discovered throughout the day there were some problems, there were some issues. And these issues, he came to realize, were a result of this, that his concern for others had led to the neglect of his own soul. And in that little booklet, I'll read just a little bit out of that, and I hope that you'll go home and read it, the rest of it, because I think it'll be a help to you. It's convicting, very convicting. But he says this, Now I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditation on it, that thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed, and that thus, by means of the Word of God, while meditating on it, my heart might be brought into experiential communion with the Lord. I began, therefore, to meditate on the New Testament from the beginning, early in the morning. The first thing I did after having asked a few words the Lord's blessing upon his precious words was to begin to meditate on the word of God, searching, as it were, into every verse to get blessing out of it, not for the sake of the public ministry, not for the sake of preaching, but for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. And then he goes on to say, Thus also the Lord is pleased to communicate unto me that which either very soon or at a later time I have found to become food for other believers. Though it was not for the sake of the public ministry of the word that I gave my self-meditation, but for the profit of my own inner man. His prayer time, his actions and interactions were all impacted by the time that he spent in the word of God, his time spent gleaning, feeding his own soul. George Mueller realized that was his greatest need because when your soul is nourished, everything else grows out of that, comes from that. And you're more effective for God because you need to be fed. You need to be nourished. You need to grow. We cannot neglect that part. Is praying for others important? Yes. And George Mueller finds this, and, and you will too. As he was reading the Word of God, all those other things that he wanted to do, his prayer focus, those all came out as he was reflecting on the Word of God. Times of adoration to God, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. God brought that out to him as he sought food for his soul. That needs to be first in our lives. At least that's what I'm understanding through this lesson and through the lesson that George Mueller come to came to understand. His greatest need. We have learned so far that our greatest need is spiritual in nature. Our spiritual man, our inner being, who we are on the inside is made new in Christ. When we give him our life, God gives us eternal salvation. But he has far more for us. He wants to give us so much more. He's our father, and he wants to meet our needs every day. The most important way to have our needs met is by spending time in his word. In his word, we find our daily spiritual food. And that food changes us, changes how we live. George Mueller was in the habit of waking up hungry every morning, hungry for the word of God. Before he had his bacon and eggs, 
He gleaned from the word of God and his soul was satisfied and it changed his life. It changed how he interacted with people. When trials and troubles came along, he was better able to, to handle those because his soul was nourished. He was able to feed others because he had been fed. Here is a great question for us to ask ourselves as we consider the example of Ruth. We won't take too much time to, there, but what kind of a gleaner am I? As we put ourselves in Ruth's shoes and examine her characteristics while she gleans for barley, we will see that those same characteristics are necessary for the child of God today who desires to get all they can from gleaning out of the word of God. And as our brother shared this morning with us, we do need to have the desire to do just that to glean from the word of God, the desire to have what God wants to give to us. So going back now to Ruth chapter 2, the very first thing that we learn, or at least that I noticed, I bet God will teach you a few more things than he taught me. That's what he does. But we have a need we can't satisfy on our own. Ruth is a stranger in the land. Her and Naomi are both widows and they're poor. Ruth understood that God had a plan to care for her needs. And so she asked her mother-in-law in verse 2, let me go and glean in the fields. We read in Leviticus 23, 22, that that was God's plan to provide for the poor, the widows. And when you reap, he says to the nation, when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corners of thy field when thou reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of the harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God, so the poor and the stranger were given the opportunity to go into the fields to find food. God commanded those who owned the fields to leave some in the corners and to go through, but don't go back. Whatever you missed, you leave it there for the poor, for those who have need, for the stranger. And so that was a way that God would provide the needs for people such as Ruth and Naomi. So Ruth came. And she asked permission to glean among the sheaves. And her permission, her petition was granted. You know, we have a need today. It's a need that we can never satisfy on our own. Our spiritual need, we cannot satisfy on our own. Going back to Revelation chapter 3, the congregation in Laodicea was trying to do that very thing. They were satisfied in where they were. They thought everything was okay, things are good. I'm going to turn there real quick. Revelation chapter 3. Things are fine. They were content with where they were. But God was not content with where they were. He says in 316, oops, So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyes that thou mayest see. 
As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I think at times we're content with where we're at. We're content with our lack of spiritual food. And we forget. We forget how much we need Jesus. There is good news, though. God's word is an indication of his love. His rebuke to them, he does it so because he loves them. And he's a father who cares. He tells us when we're doing wrong. But he wants us to listen. He says, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Do you, who has an ear today? If you have an ear, this message is for you. He that hath an ear, let him hear. If you respond to his voice spoken to you through his word, he is waiting there to come in and to nourish your soul. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. Something else we need to realize about this point, though, is that Ruth took initiative. She did not wait for Naomi to provide for her. She recognized the need and she responded. Beloved, if you're struggling today to obtain spiritual food, take initiative. Yes, you have to have that desire, but you might be here today and you just don't know how to do it. It happens. I, as I was preparing this lesson, I read devotion. I read comments on people who had struggled for years with this. They just didn't understand why they were struggling so much spiritually. And then they come to realize, like George Miller, it's because they weren't being fed properly. Now, I'm not talking about coming to church on Sunday. They realize they need that nourishment every day. They need to get into the Word, to glean, and to have what God has for them. And when they understood that their soul was malnutritioned, and they began to feed it as God commands, it changed their lives. And then they were able to do what it was. They wanted, some of these people who had these, they wanted to minister. They wanted to do certain things for God, but there was a hindrance. And they didn't understand why certain people had all this this joy, and they responded so well to tribulations and not so much them. They understood. They finally understood, and it changed their lives. And maybe that's you here today. Maybe you don't understand why your spiritual life is lacking or why you have the struggles that other people don't seem to have spiritually. Be like Ruth and take initiative. If you need help, please ask. I'm glad to come alongside you and share with you what little bit I know, but I'm going to tell you something. I struggle too. I have struggles just like you at times, but I do know, and this lesson has been a tremendous help to me, that the most important thing is for us to have our souls nourished by God. Do whatever it takes. Spend time with God. If you need some encouragement and help, tap into the resources God has given to you. Him, brothers and sisters in Christ, do not neglect to have this need fulfilled. It's a hindrance. It's a hindrance. The second thing we learn is that as we glean, we need to be diligent. Boaz inquires about this new maiden in the field, and the head of the reaper shares with him that she has been diligent in her work. She's been here since the morning. She took a little break, but she's been diligent. We read about that in verse number 7. Cleaning is hard work. You know, you're going out there, and you've got to pay attention. There's no time to be distracted. 
Ruth would have been delivered in her hard work staying focused as she carefully searched for every ear of barley left behind by the reapers. Of course, we know Ruth had some special grace, don't we? Well, you know, God does that for us too sometimes. But sometimes she would find single ears, other times handfuls. But every ear, and this is the point, is precious and necessary. It was necessary for her to find that, to take that home, to provide for her physical needs. So much more every ear that we can glean from this precious book. It's important to bring it together to sustain us, to give us what we need. When it comes to fulfilling the needs of our inner man, we need to be diligent in seeking what he has provided for us. And in 2 Peter 1, 1 through 9, we don't have time to go there, but that's wonderfully illustrated for us where we're told to add to our faith. And then there's a very serious thing that we need to consider as this is written to the believer. If we're not careful to feed our spiritual man, if we're not nourishing, being nourished by God the way he wants us to, see, we're told to add to our faith. And there's this list of things. But then there's a rebuke, there's a warning. If we're not spending time with God, you know what we can do? We can go back and our hearts can become spiritually blind once again. It's paramount for us to daily spend time in his word. Maybe you want to go there and read 2 Peter 1. There's some homework for you for the week. But we read and we listen to the word of God diligently, word of God diligently, laying hold of every truth. Sometimes it comes in single ears, sometimes handfuls, but every corn, every ear, every morsel, every verse, every word, every jot, every tittle, it's important to us as we seek to grow. If we diligently, excuse me, if we diligently seek to take in his word, we won't forget. If we have a steady diet, we won't forget. Are you diligent when you glean in the fields of God's word? The next thing that jumped out to me is that we need to glean with a humble heart. We see Ruth as she goes out in the field. One of the things that is necessary for gleaning is to stoop down. She's stooping down. Of course, that's necessary, but this applies to us as we go into the word of God. We also see Ruth as she interacts with Boaz in verse number 10, she is overwhelmed by the kindness and can't help but express her attitude. And we see her very humble response to Boaz. And she's so grateful for what he has done, comforted by what he has done. And that reminded me of the 10 lepers in Luke 17. You know, Jesus healed 10 men, but only one came back. One came back falling on his face, and it was a Samaritan. What's the lesson for us? We need to come to God's word with a humble heart. And when God gives us what we need, we need to humbly bow down, expressing our gratitude. We can be like the Pharisees at times, which God was rebuking. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees as this interaction took place because of their pride. Their hearts were filled with pride. Spurgeon writes this about pride. A stiff back makes a bad gleaner. 
Down, Master Pride. Thou art a vile robber not to be endured for a moment. A heart filled with pride will glean very little in its time with God. So we need to be careful not to think ourselves something we're not. God will resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. How can we keep our hearts humble? By remembering how much we need Jesus. We do, we need him. And sincerely believing that without him, we can do nothing, just as he said in John 15. Without me, you can do nothing. We need to remember that wonderful, precious truth. The fourth and final thing is that we need to hold on. Hold on as we glean to what he gives us. Ruth is just as diligent to retain as she was to obtain. Not carelessly dropping one ear to find another, but we find that at the end of her day that day, which was a very unique and special day, she gathered 30 pounds of barley. That food would last quite a while. During the week, we should have spent much time in the field of God's word, our holy Bibles. Sometimes we don't have any problem obtaining our daily bread, but retaining, that can be difficult at times, can it? How important is it to hold on to what we've gleaned? I have several verses here, but I'll just read one. 2 Timothy 1.13 says, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. What are some things that we can do to help? Well, if you want to retain as well as obtain, we're going to forget. But one of the most important things I believe that we could do is to keep your spiritual diet steady. Your inner man will grow. Just do it every day. You're going to get something. Do it every day. Be eager to learn. Take notes. I've started a gleaning journal. And uh, if you'd like to know more about that, I can tell you about that later. But start a gleaning journal. There's so many opportunities to glean. Glean from God's word. At home, at church. So many opportunities. Meditate throughout the day on what nourishment has been given to you. That'll help you remember. Talk to others about what you have learned. Pray for opportunity to do just that. Memorize. Memorize. And I, that reminds me, Family Bible Time will be starting up in just a little over a month, I believe. Uh, be in prayer for that in the School of Theology. But at any rate, hiding God's word in your heart that you might not sin against him. These are some things that we can do to help us retain. But again, the most important thing is to do it on a regular basis. Your inner man will grow as long as you maintain a steady diet. What kind of gleaner are you? Is your soul being nourished daily? Are you hungry for the truth that only God can give you? That's our greatest need. Our greatest need is to go into the field of God's word and glean, get from it treasures, treasures that satisfy our soul. It's more than food for the body or anything else. It's our greatest need. Be diligent in seeking out what he has for you. Have a humble heart. Express gratitude. 
for all he provides and hold fast to what he gives to you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your precious word. Indeed, we have a need. We are a needy people. We have a need that we cannot satisfy on our own. Only you can satisfy. Jesus satisfies our every longing. We come to know Jesus through your precious word. Your word is the milk whereby we may grow. Your word is good for everything we need in our life. Our inner man needs to be nourished that we might be able to live for your glory to be more effective in the ministry that you have given to us and perhaps even to see opportunities that we're missing when our soul is not fed as it should be. I just pray, Lord, that you will work on the hearts of each one of us here today that will have a desire to be diligent in gleaning and that will want to hold fast all that you give to us, humbly understanding that without you, we can do nothing. We need you, Lord. Speak to hearts today. If there is one here today who has, not as the psalmist David said, tasted of the Lord and understood that he is good, blessed is the man that trusts in him. There's one here today who has not trusted in you. I pray today would be the day they would do just that.